truth is out there. But these two goofballs aren't likely to find it. You're listening to Half Cut Conspiracies. the phrase fat taste no i this tastes fat to me yeah (laughs) send it back i don't want my food to taste so fat (laughs) hey how are you doing Uh, thanks for uh, joining us uh, as we talk about different tastes and flavors yes the taste of deliciousness and the not so taste of fatness yes (laughs) that's weird Uh, as we discuss our favorite tastes Yes, and I like umami. Umami. Tsunami. (laughs) The delicious taste of seafood flying at you (laughs) faster than it should be. (laughs) Yes. No, I used to think it was like the salty side of things, but now, like, when you just described that umami. Umami? Umami. 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 Yeah, how it means like savory and delicious. (laughs) That's the one. Yeah, I mean, apparently umami actually translates to deliciousness. Yeah, so. so. That's my favorite flavor. What's yours? What is, you know, I'm a big fan of sour. Oh, okay. Sourness, by the way, is the taste that detects acidity. Well, the more you know. Yeah, that's what, that's according to Wikipedia. (laughs) Where we get all our research. Where we get all of our research. The most common foods with natural sourness are fruits, such as lemon, lime, grape, orange, tamarind, and bitter melon. Fermented foods such as wine, vinegar, or yogurt may have sour taste. Children show a greater enjoyment of sour flavors than adults. So anyways, what brought us on this topic of flavors was uh, we started looking into how Clamato juice was made with... Where does clam clam juice juice? come from? Can you just juice a clam? Yeah, and how do you do it? Do you squeeze it, scare it, what it... But apparently you boil it. Yeah. No, steam it. Steam it, whatever. It's the water left over from steaming clams. Okay, yeah, so you do that. Essence of clam in it. And you can also steam fish and save that water and do something with it. I don't know. (laughs) Steam anything you you want. You want juice from anything, just steam it. Steam some broccoli, keep the water, that's broccoli juice. Yeah, and uh, the reason we're talking about (laughs) clam juice is because... uh, We are not drinking Clamato. (laughs) No, we are not. We were saying we should have just got it, but uh, no, we're having Bloody Marys today. Yeah. And Which is the uh, American Breakfast of Champions, I believe. Yeah. It's... I drank a lot of these when I was in Las Vegas. In yeah, the they're, yeah, they're good. These and uh, what's the one with the, the orange juice and mm, champagne? Mm. Those are great morning mimosas. drinks. Yeah, mimosas. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're great. They get you going in the morning. They're healthy. And they've got alcohol. So you get your I was at, uh I was at Pogue Mahone last Sunday for, uh, for lunch with a friend. And I had both a, a double Caesar and a mimosa. Oh, wow. So one of each to start my day off right. Nice. That's the they way to brought, do it. They brought over like a little little mini airplane bottle of champagne and a little bottle of orange Actually? juice. So I made my own mimosa. Is that because they're not allowed to like mix it that early in the morning or... I don't know why. Oh, that's weird. I'm <laughs> just giving you that, it was, yeah, that it was, atmosphere. I, I felt like I actually didn't get enough orange juice, but... Really? Oh, okay. Well, now you know for next time. I had enough champagne for, for two glasses, but really only enough orange juice for like one and a half. Hmm. So that meant my last glass was pretty much just Or you just champagne. Didn't, you didn't mix it Probably. well enough. Yeah. Well, I'm not the bartender, am I? That's true. <laughs> Do I look like a bartender? Maybe that was like they're trying to look for people who would be good bartenders and they're like let's just give them the ingredients and make them mix it themselves and then we'll approach them if they're really good yeah 
guys, you, you like found a garnish to put in it. It's so weird. We didn't even give him one of those. <laughs> Grabbed it off the floor. <laughs> we need to talk to the cleaning staff. Uh, but, so why are we having a Bloody Mary, Todd? Uh, I think it's because we're talking about a, a rather bloody character today, Jack the Ripper. Yeah. I did not even know there was a conspiracy around Jack the Ripper. Well, there maybe is, maybe isn't, because, you know, as we all know with Jack the Ripper, we don't know <laughs> who he is. <laughs> as we all know, we don't know. And uh, and so there have been some theories proposed to uh, in regards to his identity that lead to potential conspiracies. Yes. If those stories are true. I mean, there's nothing to say that they're not true, and there's also nothing to say that they are. Exactly. So, I mean, well, we don't know. Whatever. There's it's been crazy. a lot of, I mean, it's been a while since, you know, Jack the Ripper, 1888, that's been more than 100 years since he was, you know, murdering prostitutes on the streets of London. And uh, so he's London. probably dead by he's now. He's probably dead. Yeah. Uh, um, I, yeah, I believe it was London. Yeah, the Whitechapel yeah. District of London. Yeah. And uh, there's been... All kinds of speculation about who he was. It seems like every every year, at least every couple of years, there's some new breakthrough theory. As a guy is like, "Oh, I have proven that it was the author of Alice in Wonderland," or something. <laughs> is that actually <laughs> I, a theory, you know or did I feel you just like make that it up? might be? But I don't know. Uh, there's you heard it here first. <laughs> there there have been some odd um, odd connections. You know, a lot of people who are like, oh, yeah, yeah, my, my grandfather was Jack the Ripper. Here's my book about it. Please buy my book. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so I have to confess that I don't really know a whole lot on Jack the Ripper. I've heard the name and I didn't realize it was like this guy from so long ago. Or, or it could have been a woman. Could have been. Man or a woman. But yeah, I didn't realize how long ago Jack the Ripper was from. I just thought it was like, I don't know, from the 80s, but it was the 1880s, not the 1980s. You thought the 1980s? Yeah, I don't know. I was just thinking like, oh, it was probably like around the Zodiac Killer time, like when all the killers were. It was the 1960s. Oh, I don't even fucking know that then. That's a good thing we're not doing a serial killer podcast. Everyone at my office (laughs) listens to those like crime podcasts or whatever, so they're talking about that stuff. So like I... I hear the names of people, and I've seen, you know, movies and whatever of these people. I just don't know the timelines. I don't know. It doesn't interest me enough to do that much more research on the things. But anyways, yeah, Jack the Ripper. So you're going to head this one up. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I will admit that my uh, my notes are probably a little sporadic because I didn't have enough as much time today to, to put them together as I would have liked. But that And we kind of did decide this as a more of a last minute one because Halloween's yeah. coming up. And I thought it would be neat to do that. It was either this or recycling. Before we get into your notes, though, yes, what we didn't do was talk about the ingredients in our Bloody Mary. That's right. And I know our listeners love our drink mixes and mm-hmm. want to make the drinks as they're listening. So, right. Uh, how do we? How did we make this today? You have so the, the first thing here. I would say is instead of doing this. Just make a Caesar instead and probably go and buy one of the pre-made Caesar mixes. <laughs> so, like, all the spices and everything are already in there properly. Because I think... But in the States, they can't... They don't have Clamato juice. No, that's true. Yeah. But in the States, you could probably buy Bloody Mary mix. 
And we just taught you how to <laughs> make, make clam, clam juice. juice. <laughs> so if you want, if you're in the States and you want to try Clamato juice yeah. uh, or a Caesar, you can just make your own clam juice by steaming some clams. And then throw it in some tomato juice. And throw it in <laughs> and some tomato you're juice. Done. And you're done. Yeah. Presto magico. Now you're an honorary Canadian. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but for those who really want to have a Bloody Mary uh, and uh, don't want to just drink a bunch of clam juice. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's at its most basic, you've got vodka, tomato juice, usually like some, some Worcestershire sauce, a couple dashes in there, some hot sauce, a couple dashes in there, uh, celery salt. Uh, some recipes have uh, lemon juice. And then, of course, you're encouraged to have a of a garnish of like a, yeah, like some sort like of pickly bean yeah. or a pickled pickle. Maybe that's what it's missing. Is the bean. It's like the the pickle? It's missing the bean. It's, all, it's missing the rim. We yeah. didn't salt the rim. We kind of half-assed this one. We did kind of half-assed yeah. this one. Uh, I remember getting a, or I didn't get it. My ex got it in Vegas. She got a Bloody Mary that came with a like a BLT sandwich as a garnish. Yeah, that seems to be a big thing. There's a place <clears> in <throat> Vancouver. I think it's Davies on Davies or something on Davies. Um, <laughs> it's Davies on Davies or a different thing on Davies. Point is, it's, it's on, on Davies. Davies. <laughs> um, and yeah, they have like, you can basically buy your meals on your drink. Mm. One was like a cheeseburger, uh, or sorry, um... Oh, what's it called? The wind, the cheese, and the toast. <laughs> grilled cheese? <laughs> grilled cheese. With the cheese on the toast. Yeah, the cheese and toast. It's like toast one and was a grilled cheese. One had macaroni and cheese balls. Oh, yeah. Another one, like you could get the Mac Daddy of them all that had like everything on it. I think it had like a turkey leg or some weird shit like that and dessert. And yeah, and they're See, like. See, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that if, if you're consuming food that's part of your drink, the calories don't actually count. No, not at all. Because it's just, it's actually part of the cocktail. And that's not even your meal. Like, that's you need to order your food after that's your that. Drink. Too, right? <laughs> yeah. d- that's just the a fact garbage. that my drink contained a sandwich <laughs> yeah. has no bearing on the fact that it was a drink. Or, like, yeah. it's a drink. It just happens to be there for that <laughs> sandwich as well. They were good, by the way, at that place. So, if we're ever uh, down... On, on Davies. Uh, yeah. Somewhere. Somewhere on Davies. Somewhere on Davies. <laughs> yeah, let's go have one of those. just like, I smell. <laughs> yeah. Caesar somewhere. <laughs> Uh, okay, carry on. So they kind of know how to make the drink now. So yeah, Bloody Mary, um, some vodka, more tomato juice than vodka, and then all the other stuff to taste. And uh, yeah, it's, it turned out pretty good. And maybe, you know, if you guys want to you know, send us some money on Patreon, we can get some pickled beans for next time. Speaking of Patreon, while you're doing that shout out, we are releasing a lot more content on there now. Yes. Yeah. We're actually stepping up our game this year. We're trying to. Well, yeah. Let's not uh, make promises. <laughs> I mean, so far we've been doing great in yeah. the, what, it's only one, two, two episodes. episodes. <laughs> yeah. We'll see how long this lasts. No, I really want to try and make this podcast, like, actually successful. I'm enjoying it. I want to be able to keep doing this. So I want people to keep listening mm-hmm. because that, I don't know, that's partially what drives me. Also, the other part is the alcohol and getting to hang out with you uh, every other week. So, yeah, no, I've been trying to post a few more things on our social channels, make that a little more interesting. And then we've also, every before every episode, we record like over an hour of content of us just getting ready yeah, for the podcast. Yeah, just shooting the shit while we get yeah. kind of enough liquor into us to start the podcast. Uh-huh. And so we're going to start releasing the, the pre-show content onto Patreon. Um, I think so on our $5 tier. So. $5 and up. Yeah. yeah, you can access it. So. Yeah, and tonight we talked about a lot of Halloween stuff. A lot of Halloween Some horror movies. movies and, I gave yeah. my review of the new movie Halloween Kills. I'm not going to tell you what I thought about it. You'll have to go to Patreon to hear my official review. All of the links are in the description. And uh, yeah, I mean, even if you don't want to uh, support us there, 
It'd be cool if you uh, rated us on whatever podcast yeah. app. And uh, Ratings and reviews are uh, yeah. super helpful. We really want to try and make uh, season two get out there to more people. Twice so. as good as season one. Yeah. So hopefully we're off to a good start. Yeah. Also, email us if you think that this is garbage and you want it to go a different way. Yeah. Or, or if you want to recommend drinks. Or if you have any ideas of podcasts that you, uh, or like episodes and conspiracy theories that yeah. you want to hear about. Do you have a favorite conspiracy theory? Do you have a least favorite conspiracy theory that you want us to avoid? Yeah. Um, we probably won't, but. We'll do it. We'll and do then it. just tell you not to listen to that. <laughs> don't listen to this one. <laughs> yeah. Hey, tell them, thanks for the tip, but uh, maybe do don't it. check this one out. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, talked about drink. Told them what we're doing. Let's dive into it. Sure. Jack the Ripper uh, was a murderer in the Whitechapel District of London in 1888. Uh, he was also called the Whitechapel Murderer as well as Leather Apron. Um, there are five sort of what, what are called the five canonical victims. Uh, that's Marianne Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Jane Kelly. And they were murdered between August 31st and November 9th. Of 1888. In my research, mm-hmm. I research in air quotes. The I've one chapter very little. Book. Yeah, I, li- I have three pages in this new book that I got that talks about Jack the Ripper. Um, it does say that there could have been a potential sixth victim, mm-hmm. Martha Tabram, and she was fatally stabbed on August 6th. Of nineteen of eighteen eighty eight, right? Sorry. Ripperologists, as it says That's in this what book, they're called. They they consider her a potential sixth victim. Yeah, I I think the problem there is like when you don't have closure, like when you mm-hmm. don't have a suspect, when you don't have a trial, when you don't have all of those things, it's it's really hard to pin down like the exact body count. And in the case of a serial killer, sometimes you'll see. An early victim where the MO doesn't quite match what comes later because it's his first and he's just kind of trying it out. And I guess we'll just never know. Just going back to you kind of mentioned that originally he was also known as the, what did you call it? The Whitechapel Murderer and Leather Apron. Yeah, Leather Apron. So I was listening to a podcast today and they mentioned something about... Jack the Ripper sending a letter to, I don't know, a newspaper or someone and basically rename it. So everyone was like the media was calling him, him or her, the leather apron murderer. But in this letter that was sent to whoever in the paper. Yeah, they signed off as something like yours signed truly, off as, Jack the yeah, Ripper. Jack right? the Ripper. So ended up giving themselves the name of Jack the Ripper, which... Well, when you don't like the name the media gave you, that's really all you can do. Yeah. And I think what they should have done was just stuck with the apron name. Maybe just that... Maybe that would have... They would have caught this person had they, you know, killed more because they wanted to get Jack the Ripper to stick rather than the leather apron. And that would have given the police more. <laughs> so you think they they should have continued to call him Leather Apron. Yeah. So he would have killed more people. So they <laughs> would have caught him. Is that I correct? Mean, well, I mean, I'm saying maybe Leather Apron would have, you know, tried to continue, but maybe they would have like failed at but one of them. But because they called him Jack the Ripper, he was yeah, he's go, like, oh, I'm content good. now. Yeah. I got my name. I got my name out there. I'm I famous. don't need to kill anybody else. Yeah. Okay. I'm not advocating murder. I'm right. just saying, like, it would be nice yeah. to have caught this person. There, uh, yeah, there were, he did write a couple, well, uh, the police, there were a couple of letters sent by people claiming to be Jack the Ripper. There's 
not a lot of evidence that any of them actually did come from the killer. But um, there were at least sort of two. There's the Dear Boss letter and the From Hell letter. And then there was a, a postcard from Saucy Jack. Good old Saucy Good Jack. Good old Saucy yeah. Jack. It's when he's been in the, in the wine a little bit. <laughs> yeah. There's differences in the handwriting styles across letters. One of the letters, I think, did come with a, a piece of kidney that was supposedly from uh, Catherine Eddowes. Of course, <clears throat> at the time, there was really no way of tying it verifying to, uh, yeah. you, you know, the, the identity of who stuff, the kidney yeah. came from. But it was apparently, it did match the kind of trauma that the kidney, that her kidney would have received because there was a kidney removed from her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they were able to say like, yeah, this does look like it could have been cut out of that body. Yeah. But of course, nobody knows for sure. Now, one of the theories, which I'm going to consult my book on, is that Jack the Ripper was a prince. Yes. Prince Eddie. Uh, yes. Prince yeah. Eddie Vedder. Yeah. Uh, the Duke of Clarence. Now, I don't know if that was the actual... Okay. This book that I've got is kind of written like almost informal style, like the author wants to be best friends with me. And so I don't know if the prince's name is actually Eddie... Or if they're just trying to be hip and cool, like, oh, yeah. like so Prince I, Eddie, I have the Duke of that Clarence. Prince Albert. Oh. Prince Albert Victor. Okay. All right. Uh, and he is, he's connected to a couple of conspiracies involving Jack the Ripper. So Prince Albert Victor was the grandson of Queen Victoria, uh, also known as Eddie. Yeah. Okay. okay there we go. Okay. That was uh, his nickname, I guess. He was, and this is, this is taken from my stuff they don't want you to know, conspiracy theories that won't go away. So this is their wording. He was a mentally subnormal youth. Not sure exactly what that means, but it doesn't sound good. I think crazy. Uh, described by one royal commentator at the time as a gleaming goldfish in a crystal bowl, which again, sounds nice, but I'm not sure yeah, it's the best know, compliment. Of, yeah. We know goldfish are all just like, Haha, I forgot whatever is bugging yeah. me. Uh, this is, I love this sentence too. Eddie seems likely to have been an occasional homosexual. Oh, yes. Yeah. Good old occasional, occasional homosexuality. homosexuality. Yeah. Which was a criminal offense in Britain at the time. Probably the homosexual part specifically. Not, yeah. not specifically just if you're only occasionally homosexual. <laughs> that makes it the crime. Uh, he died in 1892. Uh, rumors suggested the cause of death was syphilis. And there's a theory that his madness from the syphilis was supposed to have led him to murder prostitutes. Uh, maybe even that he caught syphilis. From the prostitutes, and yeah. that was why he was seeking vengeance. I didn't know syphilis made you go crazy. No? Yeah, I didn't realize that. I mean, I've never had, like, an STI, and, you know, knock on wood, I don't get one. And yeah. that's just a, a lesson to wrap up, everyone. Don't be a fool. Wrap your tool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you want to watch a fun movie about what can happen if you, if, you're, if you get syphilis, and then syphilis gets into your brain, there's a Tom Hardy movie where he plays... Al Capone. I think it's just called Capone. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's it's Tom Hardy playing Al Capone at the end of his life, uh, dying of like syphilis-related brain trauma. He shits himself a whole bunch of times. <laughs> so yeah, if you ever want to see Tom Hardy shit himself, <laughs> that's the movie for you. All right. Oh, that's a good side note. <laughs> In at least two scenes. Another theory involving uh, Prince Eddie is that he got a 
prostitute pregnant. Yeah, Mary something or other, right? Or no, um, sorry, no, it wasn't Mary. Mary was the one that looked after yeah. the kid. I think it was Catherine Eddowes that... Yeah, I believe you're right. Um, in this book, they talk about a uh, um, Queen Victoria ordered uh, Lord Salisbury steak to deal with uh, the matter. Uh, the other side of that theory is that it wasn't Eddie that did the killing. It was because he yeah. had impregnated this lady yeah. that the queen had ordered um, Salisbury and some other guy, William Sir William Gull. Sir William Gull. Yeah, yeah. to, to kind of take care of this mess. And not um, just a pregnancy either. According to my notes, there was a secret marriage between yes, Prince Eddie Albert and Victor Alice. and Annie Elizabeth Crook. Uh, who's this Alice lady then that it says in this one? Am I just, this just does this book just go by nicknames? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, some Alice lady it talks about. I don't know, man. Yeah, you're, you're secret, in charge of your secret, notes. Secret marriage uh, to a commoner named Alice Mary Crook. Yeah. Okay, I have Annie Elizabeth Crook. Well, I don't but know. They're, maybe they're the same person. Everyone had nicknames back then, I guess. So I will say that um, of... Of the William Gall theory, because William Gall was a surgeon, uh, and he was the uh, he was like the physician to the queen at a certain point, like the oh, official physician okay. to the queen. There has been much speculation that Jack the Ripper was either a surgeon or someone uh, skilled with knives, because the way that the bodies were cut and the way the organs were removed were done in ways that. It would probably be hard to do if you didn't have some idea what you were doing. So either, you know, there was a theory that maybe he was a failed surgeon, like someone who tried to go to med school and failed and was angry about that, but had just on account of being in med school for a while, had at least some surgical capabilities. Yeah. So there's, I'm going to give like a really gruesome description right now, just sure. to, sh to kind of illustrate. Get the shit rolling. It's Halloween. Yeah, to illustrate what this person, you know, Jack the Ripper did. Mm-hmm. And how skilled they would have had to have been. Uh, so this is talking about uh, Mary Kelly. She was skinned, her abdomen emptied, her womb placed at her feet. One of her hands was placed in the evacuated uh, abdominal, ca abd abdominal cavity. Mm -hmm. Her intestines were placed over her left shoulder. Her heart was missing. And, oh, as was the fetus that she was known to be carrying. Didn't so, he cut her breasts off as well? I don't know. I didn't say that here. Mm. But a lot of shit was done that clearly somebody needed to know how to use a scalpel yeah. to And to And Mary Kelly was the, the final of the Ripper's victims and the one that was most fiercely brutalized. Um, so it's, it's, it seems to be a case of, of escalation, of, of each killing becomes more and more violent. And so she was the one who was actually nannying the child of Eddie and in this book, they call her Alice. In yeah. your book, they call her whatever, Annie. Annie. Yeah. Um, so she was the one who was the nanny of that love child. And uh, they also talk about how Prince Eddie was, he was put in an asylum or some mental institution and he ended up getting out for a period of time and that's when mary was murdered during that time oh okay and then he was for whatever reason incarcerated again 
back in there. So that's why they're thinking he may have been the one who was Jack right. the Ripper because that timing worked out. But then it also talks about how, and I thought this was really interesting, uh, it talks about how during some of the other murders or one of the other murders, he couldn't have been there. Uh, I can't find exactly what it says, but it was basically because the the royal documents said he was somewhere else. And, you know, you can always trust the royal documents. So right, if they right. say that he wasn't there, then obviously, you know, he wasn't there. But yeah, that's pretty much the only reason why they think maybe it wasn't him was because during a one or two of the murders, he was said to have been somewhere else. Well, and there's also, I think, some question as to whether or not he would have had the surgical skills. There's another interesting story involving um, the William Gall theory, which is basically that uh, the medium, R.J. Lees, had a psychic impression of the murderer and followed a psychic trail through the night, which mm. led him and the police to the home of an eminent physician. A physician that had trained at Guy's Hospital was married with a son and then questioned, admitted that he suffered from occasional loss of memory and had once come around to find blood on his shirt. That physician, of course, is William Gull. And uh, in this story, proof of his guilt as Jack the Ripper was found in the house and he was committed to an asylum under the name Thomas Mason 124. And uh, so maybe that was what happened to William Gull. I will say, if you're interested in um, reading a really fantastic kind of fictional take on this theory of of William Gall as Jack the Ripper and the the backstory being that uh, Prince Eddie had knocked up a, a prostitute and they were being the prostitutes were blackmailing the royal family mm -hmm. um, from hell by Alan Moore is a massive probably thousand page comic book that is one of the most insanely well researched uh, pieces of historical fiction I've ever encountered. It's just absolutely ex an extraordinary read. Hmm. The Mary, uh, the murder, sorry, the murder of Mary Kelly takes up uh, an entire, like, I guess an issue of the, what was originally the original comic. It's now like a single oh, okay, yeah. collected volume, but it's, it's like 20, 30 pages of just this, this very meticulous bit by bit murder. There's also a lot of connections in the story to uh, Masonic conspiracy theories. They did mention um, in here that the two people, um, uh, William Gull and what was the other one? Yeah, Lord Salisbury, were part of the Freemasons. Mm -hmm. It does mention that in this book. And then it does also mention something about the way that the murderers, um, like the locations that they were placed in, the the victims, was in the shape of a mitre square. Yeah, and there's... Which is the symbol of the, or is a, a Masonic tool, which is their symbol of... Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of uh, discussion in the comic as well about Masonic symbols throughout London and, and looking at some of the, you know, the streets of London and, and their history as Masonic symbols and, and, and everything else. And it's, again, it's obviously not, I mean, maybe it's what happened. We, we'll never know about, like, the truth of, of Jack the Ripper. But this is just one theory that, you know, where the author has done this extraordinary level of research to create a story that matches the history of the events 
in a way that makes sense. Anyway, don't uh, watch the movie. The movie's terrible. So, <laughs> okay. Um, so there's um, another book written by Stephen Knight the, uh, Jack, titled Jack the Ripper, uh, The Final Solution. Um, where oh, well, we should just consult that one then. It's the final solution. Yes, yeah, figured it That's out. That's it. He's got the solution. Okay. Uh, but he so going off that the Freemasons uh, theory, he Knight discloses that the murders were actually reenactments of the murder of Mason Hiram, uh, Abiff of Solomon's Temple, by Jubala, Jubalo, yeah. and Jubalum. Yeah, which I thought was hilarious. The, <laughs> those three names are like pretty much the same um yeah that's pretty much and they're saying the the connection to like the the freemasons is the the positioning of the victims yeah, in that yeah. minor and the, the 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 three jews there could i think be related to um so on the when, when catherine eddowes was killed on september 30th she was found close to a doorway over which the message the Jews are the men that will not be blamed for nothing was written. Now, in, in this case, the Jews was written J-U-W-E-S. Yeah, this the way they spell like Juba, whatever is J-U-B-E yeah. and then. Uh, senior police officers felt this could spark an anti-Semitic riot if that was connected to the crime. Uh, and he had the message erased. So there was never photo taken of the writing. It was just like wiped down immediately. Oh, um, the odd phraseology and strange spelling has sparked suggestions that it was actually a Masonic message and the police erased it to hide the fact. So yeah, it could be that it was a Masonic message. The police knew that it was a Masonic message and wanted to cover up that fact. Yeah. And that's probably why they didn't catch Jack. Cause they, they didn't yeah, want to. The They're police like, were like, no, he's one of us. Well, so. yeah. I mean, there's a, there's supposed to be an element of sort of the Masonic Lodge that, you know, if you're one of us, we, we got your back. We'll protect right? you. Yeah. Um, we'll, uh, supposedly like there's a the secret phrase to, uh, to try to help get a Mason to help you is supposed to be something like, will no one help the widow's son? Mm, I think is yeah. what it is, but. Are you a Freemason? No, but I, I did a bunch of reading into it when I was directing a play that was inspired by oh, well, Illuminati so not, conspiracies and Masonic conspiracies. Not so and, secret then that no. saying. Um, I, again, it's interesting that, uh, Jewish people and Freemasons show up in this conspiracy. Yeah. I mean, it is, I mean, you throw any rock, if you <laughs> yeah. stand at a conspiracy and like flail your arms around in a circle, you're going to hit J Jewish people, right? <laughs> just it's just, it's eventually going to happen. They're connected yeah. to every single conspiracy and a lot of Freemasons too, but. I do have, I found this website, uh, bbcamerica.com, and they do talk about five craziest Jack the Ripper theories. Okay, sure. Um, and so the first one here they've got is Walter Sickert, uh, a renowned painter. He's a painter, yeah. Yeah, of the time. Uh, and he's a curious candidate for the Whitechapel murders, and mainly because he made sketches and paintings of the Ripper crimes that were quite accurate. Hmm. So... I, I guess you could say, yeah, sure, he was he knew what the the murder scenes looked like, but he could have also just, I don't know, been walking around. I mean, they all happened in the same similar area, so he yeah. could have just sketched what he saw. I don't know. Um, then the other one is uh, Lewis Carroll. Right, the author of uh, Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland, I yeah, wasn't you joking around. That. Yeah, 
Um, I thought I might have just made that up. No, that is true. Yeah. Jill the Ripper is uh, one of them here. So maybe Jack wasn't Jack at maybe all. Jill. Yeah, but in fact a woman, um, which is a theory that uh, posed by fame inspector Aberline? Aberline, I think. Aberline, yeah, at the time of the killings. And according to Donald McCormick, author of The Identity of Jack the Ripper, which was published in 1959, Aberline raised the theory in a conversation with his mentor, Dr. Thomas Dutton, after the murder of Mary Kelly. And uh, I guess there was some testimony given by uh, Caroline Maxwell um, that may have corroborated that theory. Um, or maybe didn't. Or didn't, yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, because we don't really know. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a the list of potential sub, uh, suspects on the Wikipedia page is is long. Yeah. We're looking at like 25, 30 different suspects. This one here, um, the voted number one suspect. Oh. Yeah, James Maybrick. Do you know who that is? I don't know. Let me see if he's in my list of... So suspects. he's voted number one suspect in the Jack the Ripper casebook, which makes him notable. When did when did they do the vote? Was it like an online thing? Was it like uh, Big Brother? Yeah, they all all of the uh, all the suspects live in yeah. the same house, so they yeah. get voted out until <laughs> you finally catch Jack the Ripper. Um, so while some screenshots of his diary may prove rather convincing, these claims are hotly contested and rumored as a hoax. Uh, Michael Barrett, who originally claims he discovered the Maybrick diary, has confessed to a for- to the forged documents. These confessions have been retracted and restated many times in the past years. So basically, this guy found this diary, I guess, or says he found this diary, and then he's like, "I just kidding, I lied." Yeah. So but it then says, he's like, "Oh no, it did." Uh, on Wikipedia, it says that in 1995, Oh Barrett confessed to writing the diary himself. Yeah, but, it, right, yeah. yeah, but then it also says here, like, he retracted that. Oh, okay. And then restated that many times. Well, then... So, I, like, I don't know, what, yeah, like, why why would you retract it? The diary like, was what? discredited by historians who pointed to factual errors in relation to some of the crimes. But, um, one we'll of the things know. with uh, Lewis Carroll, actually, is uh, the, the, the theory is that he maintained a diary that he wrote in with purple ink, except on the days when a Ripper murder occurred, and then he wrote in black ink. <gasps> Oh, shit. Thus, obviously proving yeah, that, that he was... I mean, that's too much of a coincidence. Absolutely. Obviously, he's it. I think we solved the case. Uh, according to FBI criminal profiler John Douglas, all the evidence points to a person known to the police as David Cohen or someone very much like him. Mm. So it's either David Cohen uh, uh, or <laughs> not, but similar. Yeah, somebody who's similar. Like, similar in what sense? Like, he looks similar? Well, that's or... all it says. Okay. <laughs> uh, David Cohen was a 23-year-old Polish Jew who was incarceration at Kolny Hatch Lunatic Asylum on December 7th, 1888, roughly coincided with the end of the murders. An unmarried tailor, Cohen was described as a violently antisocial, poor East and local. He was suggested as a suspect by author and ripperologist Martin Fido in his book, The Crimes, Detection, and Death of Jack the Ripper. Fido claimed that the name David Cohen was used at the time to refer to a Jewish immigrant who either could be could not be positively identified or whose name was too difficult for police to spell in the same fashion that John Doe is used in the United States today. Fido identified Cohen uh, with leather apron, 
and speculated that Cohen's true identity was Nathan Kaminsky, a bootmaker living in Whitechapel who had been treated at one time for syphilis. Oh, back to the syphilis. Oh, yeah. Well, the, real, the real criminal was syphilis. There you go. So, yeah, it could be David Cohen. Um, we've got William Gull. We've got George Hutchinson. We've got James Kelly. Uh, Charles Allen Lechmere. Michael Maybrick, the son of James Maybrick, is also a suspect. Mm, it's a family thing. It's a family thing. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I don't know, it's one of those, like, interesting conspiracies when you, you you know, listen to the whole story. Really, the the conspiracy of this is the royal family one. Um, and then everything yeah, else is Yeah, because that would the, be, that's where the, the, cover-up the cover up and yeah. the, the, the hiding of the truth would come from. And I, I guess there is something appealing to thinking that, the the reason that we don't know who Jack the Ripper was and, and the reason that we may never have an answer is is because there were people who were actively trying to keep the truth out, mm-hmm. to keep the truth from being uh, discovered and from, you know, keeping the culprit from being brought to justice. And so it's it's a it's kind of an easier way to accept the mystery to be going, well, of course, we'll never know. They were hiding the yeah. truth from us. But it's. It's also such a, it was kind of the first case of its kind, like kind of the first, it's probably not technically the first serial like killer, Suga, yeah. but kind of the first one that got major Notoriety, attention, yeah. got a name. Well, it sounded like there were, so one of the podcasts I was listening to, it sounded like there were a lot of murders in this area, like the seedy part of, of London. Oh, yeah. And there were quite a few nicknames that the media gave to, like, the murderers of that time. I just feel like that was just something that media did back then. They would they would name the killers, so I don't oh, know. Oh, they if, still do. I mean, yeah, they do now if there's, uh, if it's a, yeah, serial spree yeah. of some sort, they'll do that. But I feel like, yeah, that was where, like, it kind of originated. I don't think you originated. name someone after one crime, though. Uh, well, you just, I guess, you use their name. Well, I mean, <laughs> you have to call them something else if you don't know their name, but it's not like... Um, you know, uh, Anne, Anne Margaret was attacked and her bottle of soda was stolen today by the, the, <laughs> the soda, soda snatcher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep your eyes on the lookout for the soda snatcher. It's, uh, uh their new famous criminal in Whitechapel. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting in that podcast. They had like so many different names. I didn't take notes of what they were for like all of the different killers that were around that area. But it sounds like a shitty part of town to be living in the Oh, absolutely. Place. It was yeah. like super poor. I mean, not everyone is as privileged as the royal family, so some people had to live in that area. Yeah. Like the syphilitic prostitutes. Yes. And a fun fact that I learned today was that back then, they only showered like once a year. A year? Yeah, once a year. So I think they like cleaned themselves oh, like see. once yeah, a week like, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, 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 or like yeah, bathed. Yeah. Sorry, they bathed because I don't know if showers existed yeah, then. But yeah, yeah. yeah, they like fully bathed. So... I would not want to go to that part of town or that era. I think this is where the term hangover comes from. But there would used to be like these these kinds of lodgings where like if you couldn't afford a bed, you basically you slept standing up, leaning on a rope. Oh. And so like there was this rope that was strung across, you know, 10, 12 people in a line and you're all just sort of leaning on this rope. You're hanging over it. And then, yeah, you wake up the next morning when they release the rope and everyone just falls to the ground. And it's, it's, that's your wake up call. Time to go on with your day. I think that was, uh, oh, that was a thing at the time. Yeah. Okay. 
I mean, yeah, this one, like you said before, I don't, I, I don't think they'll ever be able to prove definitively who it was. If it was a male, female, we're way too far past it now. Any evidence that could be yeah, you know, I think, still I mean, around like, is way gone or way out of testing. And it's also at a time when, you know, fingerprinting wasn't even a thing, mm-hmm. right? So much less DNA. Um, they wouldn't have even known to try to preserve something at the time so that maybe a hundred years later there could yeah, be a DNA you, test, right? Like yeah. there's, you know, there's cases from, you know, the sixties and seventies where at least evidence is preserved to the level where they could maybe do a DNA test off of it now if they needed to. But in 1888, no, no. no. And then especially if you have the Royal family, that's, you know, right running now, things. Hush on yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if they could preserve stuff, I don't think they'd want to. So, Apparently, Stephen Knight also um, argued that the murders could have involved multiple killers. Oh, the Jack and Jill the Ripper. Jack and Jill and James and oh, a, lot a of giant them. peach okay. yes. murders. <laughs> and others have proposed that each murder was committed by unconnected individuals acting independently. Oh, wow. Meaning there was no single Jack the Ripper. Yeah, but for Maybe all five Jack of them the Ripper to be... is all of us. <laughs> We're all Jack the Ripper in our hearts. I bit. hope not. Uh, <laughs> We're all one decision away from being serial killers. <laughs> but, uh, no, but that would be too much of a coincidence, I feel like, for yeah. multiple people to be able to like take parts of people out of their bodies like a doctor. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That just doesn't jive with me. A bunch of, maybe it's like a, a bunch of doctors <laughs> trying to one up each other. Oh, yeah. That could be it. Right. Hey, I went and killed the prostitute last like night. A- Look, I took her kidney. <laughs> the other guy's like, what? Watch this. Slash, slash, slash. I took her heart and her breasts. Ha <laughs> ha. Take that. <laughs> and a fetus. Yeah. And a fetus. Uh, what? I wonder if there was like a medical school nearby that. Maybe they were like closed out okay. afterwards because <laughs> yeah. all of their students were like graduating into becoming killers. They're like, oh, <laughs> maybe let's not do this. I'm just browsing through the uh, the suspects on Wikipedia. So many names I've never even heard of. Well, it was in 1880 something, so, <laughs> so they should all be... I don't know if they'd be famous. <laughs> no, but I have I have done some reading on Jack the Ripper, so some of the names I do recognize, like Montauk John Truitts. Mm. Uh, who was a Dorset-born barrister who worked to supplement his income as an assistant schoolmaster in Blackheath, London, until his dismissal shortly before his suicide by drowning in 1888. His decomposed body was found floating in the Thames near Chiswick on 31 December 1888. Some modern authors suggest that Druitt may have been dismissed because he was a homosexual. Ah, yes. Not an occasional one. He was full-on. Full-on, full-time homosexual. And homosexuals cannot murder and that That's this could not have driven him to commit suicide however both his mother and his grandfather suffered mental health problems and it is possible that he was dismissed because of an underlying hereditary psychiatric illness his death shortly after the last canonical murder uh led assistant chief constable sir constable sir melville mcnaughton that's a good name mcnaughton melville no. mcnaughton at your <laughs> service we should have done this episode with a British That's, accent. Yeah, all right. Oh, man. I was, when we were talking about Start uh, over. <laughs> costumes, I was going to come with like a bad Inspector Aberline costume because I have kind of like a little... Oh, the little, little hat, in, the detective hat, hat thing. Little detective hat. Uh, McNaughton incorrectly described the 31-year-old barrister as a 41-year-old doctor. On 1st September, the day after the first canonical murder, Druitt was in Dorset playing cricket 
and most experts now believe that the killer was local to Whitechapel, whereas Druitt lived miles away on the other side of Thames in Kent. Inspector Frederick Aberline appeared to dismiss Druitt as a serious suspect on the basis that the only evidence against him was the coincidental timing of his suicide shortly after the last canonical murder. Was it a suicide, though? Uh, or was it a cover-up? That's true, too. Maybe he was, If like, I recall correctly, uh, he drowned himself in a river uh, by, like, walking to the river with a bunch of stones in his pockets to weigh him down. That just doesn't sound like something he would do. No, anyone who I knew think. Montauk John Druitt, <laughs> yeah. he's not a man who would, like, put stones in his pocket. He just didn't do no. that. Never, never found a stone in his pocket once. Well, I th- he probably could have had stones in his pocket, but they were like the skipping kind, and he had them in there because he's like walking down the beach, and he's like, oh, I want to skip this rock. And you put it in your pocket. <laughs> you keep finding good rocks. You got to yeah, keep picking them right? up. I don't, this somebody... is a good skipping spot, but there's all sorts of good rocks. So I'm just going to keep picking them up. And then somebody just pushes them into the river, yeah. and he's like, oh, no, I've got too many rocks. <laughs> too many rocks. <laughs> what was I thinking? I hate when that happens. I don't know. I this is there anything more that you need? I'm all out of like, I don't know. my uh, stuff. What, what else does your says. book yeah. say? Uh, what's the most convincing evidence according to this book? Uh, in 1970, Dr. Thomas Stuhl, Stuhl claimed to have found documents that showed Prince Albert Victor's doctor, William Gull, was seen more than once in the Whitechapel area on the nights of the murders. They also detailed how policemen and a medium had visited Gull to make inquiries and that Gull had confessed. That was something else I mentioned. Oh, yeah. Um, Stoll believed this was a brave attempt to protect the real Ripper, the insane syphilitic Prince Albert Victor. So there's another theory there, and I guess that Prince Albert Victor was the killer, but Gull confessed to 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 take the blame and keep it off of the prince. That makes sense. Okay. The most mysterious fact is that when Stoll's claim found widespread attention, he tried to retract his evidence and denied that he had implicated Prince Albert. However, Stoll died before his retraction could be printed and his family immediately burnt his notes and papers before his claims could be verified. They also burnt all evidence relating to Stoll's career as a Freemason. It may be a coincidence, but he died on November 9th, 1970. (gasps) The anniversary of Mary Kelly's death. Did you say 1970? Yeah. So he would have been... over. Almost 100 years old? No. What? Dr. Stoll, in 1970, found evidence, found documents... Oh, okay, gotcha. ...that showed right. that William Gull was in Whitechapel... Right, okay. ...on the nights of the murders. So he's like a more modern investigator. Okay, he's right? like the Sherlock Holmes of that neighborhood. He's the Sherlock Holmes of Jack the Rippers. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, uh, who else do we have in here? We have uh, other suspects. We have Dr. Franz- Francis Tumblety. That's a fun name. That's Yeah, I, a lot of the British names are fun. Tumblety was strongly suspected by John Littlechild, head of the secret department at Scotland Yard during the investigations. The doctor fled back to the USA and Scotland Yard sent detectives to interview him. Mm. And that's all it says. Oh, the okay. detectives the were never seen again. <laughs> or maybe they were. We yeah. don't know. Uh, and then as an unusual suspect, we have Dr. Rosalind Donston Stevenson a heavy-drinking occultist who went to the police with his own theory to explain the Ripper and his murders. The doctor ended up becoming a suspect himself in some theorists' eyes due to the discovery made by author Mabel Collins in 1890 while cohabiting with Stevenson. She claims to have found seven bloodstained ties used in the murders. The possible evidence ended up with England's most famous occultist, Alistair Crowley, after he obtained them from Mabel's lover, Victoria Kremers. Yes, I seem to recall the story of Alistair Crowley having... The seven bloodstained ties of Jack the Ripper. Uh, But there were only five, maybe six victims. Did they not find one? Or maybe seven. (gasps) Or two, I guess. One or two, depending on how many. Or two. (laughs) 
Point is, there were seven ties. Huh. Maybe okay. sometimes he wore two ties. Maybe he was just that. That's how he rolled. <laughs> maybe. Or maybe that's He tried to wear two one. ties. So that he could get one tie dirty, and then he could just take it off, and he's ready to go. But then he was like, fuck, I got the the, the undertie dirty, too. (laughs) The undertie. always happens. But then as he got better, he only dirtied one tie. He got better at it. Yeah. Yeah. Or she. We keep like or thinking she. that Jack well, is to Jack. That but is it true. Be... And it, but I, it's easy to make that assumption because you know, he, they. Let's use the yeah non gendered they. They are commonly referred to as Jack the Ripper, and That's so it true. does. It's built into that the assumption that yeah. it was a man. But that could have been because Jack, who is actually a Jill, chose the name Jack the Ripper to throw off. Right. Any suspicion and I guess as there, a there is the argument that, uh, you know, amongst the, the prostitutes of Whitechapel, they would be more inclined to let their guard down mm-hmm. around the, another yeah. woman uh, as opposed to a man. That's true. Yeah. So. I don't know. I mean, and it could have been, I'm just saying this, I have nothing to back it up, but it could have been maybe one of the prostitutes wasn't doing so good. She was jealous that those other five were making mm. bank. And she's like, they got the best corners. I need to get rid of them so that I can make some more money. And there you go. I'm just saying that could be a theory. Could be a theory. Yep. We'll never know. We will never. But you heard it here first. You (laughs) heard it here first that we will never know. (laughs) That's about it. That's what I got. Yeah. That's uh, interesting. I I did find that uh, the royal family side of the the conspiracy theory was uh was pretty interesting and could be plausible Mm -hmm. uh i you know i mean they're always trying to have a favorable light on the their affairs and uh so i could see if yeah this prince well yeah if either the you know the prince was murdering people or you know if the prostitutes were being murdered to you know knock out the blackmail either of those things you wouldn't want to have connected back to the royal family. So, you know, obviously, yeah, that would be why you would have the cover up. It's certainly feasible. Yeah, I'd give this uh, conspiracy a five out of five royal crowns. Okay. Sure. I don't know what that rating is <laughs> what that for, means. but yeah. Uh, I will say again, uh, if you are able to, and you're interested in reading a really fascinating look at this particular conspiracy theory, check out Alan Morse from Hell. It's, uh, it's brilliant. Uh, I've got a little, uh, little riddle here. Sure. Uh, well, I guess it's not a riddle. It's like a pun kind of. So a guy goes into a butcher shop and bets the butcher $50 that he can reach the meat on the top shelf. No way, said the butcher. The stakes are too high. (laughs) (laughs) And it goes, like, stakes is in, like, the meat. Yeah, stakes. Yeah, I chose that one because of his butcher of whatever. That's good. (laughs) Hey, what do Paul the Apostle and Jack the Ripper have in coffin? I don't know. The same middle name. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's end it on that. Yeah, no, there's like, I got like oh, 20, you got more. There's I got a lot 20 of Jack the oh, Ripper okay. jokes. Why did Jack the Ripper stop killing people? I, I don't know why. He's on a stabatical. Okay, that's less funny. I like the other one better. Anyhow, thanks for listening. I've been Carlos Sia. I have been and continue to be Todd Sullivan. Yeah, um, yeah, it was nice having you here. Yeah. Until next time, stay stabby. Woo!